Welcome to the 66th episode of BoagWorld.com, the podcast for all those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. And today's episode we're going to call Beyond HTML because we have a special little theme that's going of doing stuff that isn't just HTML related this week. My name's Paul Boag and joining me is a very sickly still Marcus Lillington. Am I Please talking to you now? So, stop being so noisy. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Dear. Yeah, I feel really sorry for myself now. Oh, can't, See, I now know. I feel a little bit better. I don't feel like 100%, but I do feel a little bit better than I did. I which has got to be good news. Hurrah! So I'm all like, la, 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 la. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, and all right, yeah. Sickly. Well, that yeah. is because you're a lot older than me, so it takes you time <laughs> to recover. <laughs> very nearly i'm 40 this month you know and of course you haven't entirely given up the smoking either Not by entirely. the way i still get asked questions about that but you haven't have you no have you you're actually back on completely now aren't you no i haven't smoked a cigarette for over a year but it's just the whole cigar the odd cigar smoke 20 a day no i don't <laughs> stop so picking on me Oh, mm. I'm sorry, Marcus. I love <sighs> you, really. <laughs> I just can't sleep, and it's just doing my head in. I'm going to go mad. <sighs> no anyway. gibbering on the show, please. Yes, I'm all... No, no, no. You carry on. There, 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 there. <laughs> anyway, on this week's show, as I said, we're calling it Beyond HTML, because I like... I, I don't know what titles to give it anymore, because we don't know how to have a main segment... I kind of don't really know what to call them, so I'm just making up random names, so beyond HTML. And that's because we're going to look at, um, amongst other things, how to create your own podcast. It's the most common question that I get asked, is how to create a podcast. So I thought, well, okay, let's actually um, let's actually do a bit of a show on it and cover that as a subject. Don't do, it. Don't also, do it when you're sick, would probably be no, good, good advice. No, no coughing down the microphone. Mm. Um, next up is we've also got Ian Forrester from BBC Backstage coming in and he's talking about adding multimedia to your sites and the different options and, and the difference between streaming and progressive download and all this kind of clever stuff so he's talking about that which again is is not really HTML stuff um, we're also we're kind of not really doing a review section this week because um, that's going to be all meddled up with the podcast stuff. I'm, I'm going to talk about some of the different software that's out there and maybe do a bit of a review of that. Okay, um, Marcus, um, you never talk about HTML. What are you talking about this week, mate? Um, I'm, next step on from contracts that we started last week. We, we talked about terms and conditions last week. Um, possibly slightly less boring. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, statements of work or schedule. Um, part one. 
Only vaguely less boring. Although we had very positive comments about your last week's snore fest. So um, that was good. Also, I got in trouble last week because we didn't have a joke. I know. That's all. I, didn't, I don't know how that happened. I must have... I think it's because you I whizzing off the at the end and I thought, I've got a joke here. And he's... <laughs> there you oh, go. Oh, I'm, I'm so cruel to you. Well, anyway, not only do you have a joke this week, but I've got some jokes to contribute. Marvellous. Which will be fun for everybody, I'm sure. Okay, let's start off by talking um, and looking at the news. Now, I have to confess that I haven't had a lot of time to look at the news over the last week because I'm actually having to do some work, which is obviously disgraceful. Um, and I haven't been able to keep up on all the RS- RSS feeds that I normally go through. But nonetheless, I had a little panicked look through the last week's uh, worth of news um, this morning. And I have found, well, I think, a, well, three decent stories and then something that we're crowbarring in and taking advantage of our audience, really, basically, to do a bit of shameless self-promotion. I wonder whether you can spot which ones um, is us promoting ourselves. But anyway, number one. Uh, the first thing up is an interesting article on the BBC website. Uh, the BBC website is full of interesting articles, one could argue. Um, especially as I've got somebody from BBC on the show today. I feel like I need to say that. Um, but the, the one that caught my eye in particular this week is the fact that um, mobile internet usage is increasing dramatically. And uh, in December, the UK, uh, UK handsets accessed 15 uh, the web 15.9 million times mm-hmm. so um more and more people are actually using their mobile phones to access the internet that's an increase of 1 million in the period of a single month now they do say in the article this might have been seasonal because of christmas and stuff like that but there has been a consistent growth in the accessing of the internet via mobile devices and I'm I'm very confident and really believe that the mobile web is going to be the next uh, big thing over the um, over 2007. Um, uh, we've talked about this before. I'm not going to go on about it hugely, but I did just want to kind of mention again that that this is the big area and this is the area that you should be looking at. Obviously, um, I'm the accessing it of... now. Sorry, I'm what are you saying? I got... I'm accessing the internet via my mobile phone right now. Right now, now just to push speak. up your stats a little bit higher and prove yeah. me right. I've got a new, I've got a new phone on over the weekend. Ooh, yeah. Is nice. it a nice one? It is. It's a, it's a Motorola. Um, uh, I can't, don't know what it's called. It's the latest Razer. <coughs> but um, it's not an iPhone, is it? What's an iPhone? Oh, what well, those? Yeah, no. Yes, not, not yet. <laughs> Maybe soon. But then I'm not allowed to talk about that. Because we talked about it for far too long on the .NET podcast I did. So so there you go. I mean, obviously, when that comes out, um, I suspect that will change people's surfing habits all the more. Um, obviously, the big uh, stumbling block at the moment in the growth of the mobile web is the exorbitant prices that the carriers charge to access via the Internet. So what you've just done there, Marcus, has cost you about £15, pounds, <laughs> but don't worry about it. That's I don't think fine. it's quite that bad. But it is useful. For, I checked out how um, our, our brave boys are doing it. In Australia against New Zealand, there. Um, that what we're at war with New Zealand? Uh, no, well we kind of are uh, on the cricket pitch. Ah, oh. <laughs> it's a. I thought there'd been some development in the news really, that I was really unaware important of. Game this today, but anyway, that's. But for things like that, what's the score? And you're wandering around outside. It is really useful. 
But much more than that, I'm, I don't know. Anyway, because obviously the whole world revolves around cricket. Of course. Anyway, on to our next and probably most important story, which I have to say we're kind of crowbarring two into one, but I thought if I put it as two separate stories, it might look like I'm pushing my luck. So, Headscape and Boag World News combined. Did you find this on the BBC? No. No? I found this in my head. So, a couple of things that we just wanted to give a quick mention to. Um, first up, a little bit of shameless propaganda um, for Headscape, really, um, and saying that we are in the process of recruiting yet again. Um, we seem to be uh, growing at a ridiculous rate at the moment, and we are looking for two people. We're looking for a .NET programmer. Um, so if you have experience in coding in ASP.NET, yes, I know it's a Microsoft product. Mm-hmm. Don't go into shock. It's all right. There are things beyond PHP and Ruby on Rails. Um, so, yeah, if you have got experience with .NET, um, then we would love to get your CV. And you can send that through to inquiries at headscape.co.uk. Um, ideally, we'd like somebody based in the south of England. Uh, so that would be all the better. Um, but let us know if you're interested in that. The other position that we are looking to fill is we're trying to find somebody there isn't really a designer necessarily, although if you've got design skills, that's a bonus. But you're absolutely shit hot um, with CSS and XHTML. Um, you're in love with the DOM, you know, your WAI guidelines back to front. Um, and you're a kind of front-end coder type person. Um, if you feel that you fall into that category and if you can send us examples um, of your work that where you're excelling, at um, you know those kinds of things, and we can look at nice, clean semantic code and that kind of stuff. Then again, we'd love to hear from you. Um, in that case, you can be pretty much based anywhere in the UK. Um, although, of course, again, we would prefer the south of England. But hey, we'll consider anybody if you're good enough. Um, and send again it through to inquiries at headscape.co.uk. Have I promoted that sufficiently, Marcus? Do you yes, think? perfectly. Well done, Paul. Okay. <laughs> now, as a reward for you listening to our shameless promotion. I want to now move on to, if you happen to be going to South by Southwest, I'll give you a drink for listening to that um, that bit of advertising there. In fact, I will do better than that. I will give you multiple drinks and food because um, uh, Boag World is combined with Clear Left and App Media 2007 to put on in the States um, for South by Southwest, the Great British Booze Up. If you've been to South by Southwest before, you will know that um, it's as much about what goes on in the evenings and the parties and stuff like that as it is actually the conference. And we've decided to all get together and uh, create, a, basically do a, uh, an evening with free food, free drinks, um, up to a point, obviously, we don't have a limitless um, tab behind the bar, but a fair old chunk, uh, which you can uh, attend and find out more about. I'll link to it in the show notes, um, so you've got all the details there, which you can get to at baragworld.com forward slash podcast, select episode 66. The one thing to say about the Great British Booze Up is obviously there are limited spaces, so in order to be able to come in, you need to come in with somebody that holds a British passport. Now, you could that one Why? person with a British passport could bring in 20, 30, 40 people. Uh, 
but you all need to arrive together with that British passport holder. So here's my sneaky suggestion for Boag World listeners, is if you're interested in attending that, drop me an email at paul at boagworld.com and uh, we'll arrange to meet up beforehand and we'll all go in together. Okay, so that's the plan. So hopefully you can come along to that. I'm really looking forward to South by Southwest, as I know Marcus is as well. Yes, Marcus. Yes, very much so. Um, I just wanted to prove you're still there, because I know you're really just groaning in the yeah, corner. I, I did nearly nod off just there. Am I that boring? Or no, are you soothing, in that much pain? Soothing. Soothing. My jazz <laughs> FM radio voice. <laughs> oh, dear. So there we go. Don't cough. You'll just hurt yourself. I am. Oh. Um, and, okay, next. <clears throat> Excuse me, now you're passing it to me. Um, next up is, uh, I wanted to mention Think Vitamin. So Think Vitamin is um, a, a great website, which has loads of um, cool articles on about a variety of different subjects. Um, and actually, coincidentally, I've just published an article on there myself about um, uh, HTML, hypertext links, you know, the normal links that you have in most pages and the, the ways we abuse them and we do horrible things to them and, and we try clever designy tricks on them and how we should treat hypertext links with the respect that they deserve. But more importantly, is Christian Hellman has published an article on there about enhancing the performance of your website and ensuring that um, that it downloads as fast as possible and performs as well as possible. And he gives some really solid practical advice in that article. So I highly recommend that you check that out and see what he's got to say. He talks about why pages take a long time to download and then goes on to talk about what it is that you can do about them. And it, a lot of it maybe is obvious stuff, but there's also a lot in there that maybe you don't think about. For it, And he also talks about the trade-offs between best practice and performance. So one example is, is the best practice at the moment is to split, say, your, your CSS styles across multiple style sheets. But that means there's more calls to the server and that can slow things down. So he talks about the different trade-offs you have to make and how you come to those balance, uh, make that kind of balanced decision. So good article there by Christian. Damn him. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's better than mine. But there you go. Such is life. Let's move on. Our last news story for today um, is the revelation that Robert Nyman has been working with Flash quite a lot. Bizarre revelation, I know, but Robert Nyman is one of the many blogs that I read and, and has some really good stuff on there. And it, it seems pretty obvious from his recent posts that he's been doing a lot of work with Flash. Um, and the reason why I say that is there's two different uh, posts that he's made um, relating to Flash, both of which are really good. Um, the first one is to um, is very simple advice about how to add Flash to your site and still keep your code valid. You know, more and more we're adding bits of Flash into our site with video and bits from YouTube and all this kind of stuff. And so much of the code that we get, you know, that we're supposed to copy and paste as we embed this stuff is crap code that does invalidates your document. But he provides step-by-step um, -step instructions about how to do it using valid code. So you want to check that one out for a start. But the other one that he does is he gives some really um, interesting advice about... Um, if you've got a Flash movie and you need to put an HTML object on top of that Flash movie. Now, I was always under the impression this is absolutely impossible to do. And indeed, so was Robert. Um, you know, as, as from my experience, the Flash movie always forced itself to the top and you could never put anything over the top of it, blah, blah, blah. 
But apparently there is a way, and it's not a complicated way either. So I'm going to link to both of those blog posts um, in the show notes today, and you'll want to check those out. So I think that about sums up the news, and we better move on. Okay, contracts, part two. Statements Yay. of work. <laughs> so excited. I just can't hide it. Come on, come on, come on. Sorry. Carry on. Full singing on a podcast. Yes. We're finally That's what there. you've always wanted, isn't it? <laughs> well, I feel like I need to do something to kind of keep you going, Mark. You do need I, to. I'm I failing. can hear you halfway through this guy. And then just I really stop am. Anyway. Oh. Statements of work, or schedules, as they're sometimes called. Is the bit. Schedules, yes. Um, Terms and conditions that we kind of covered last week will refer to a statement of work or a schedule, and so we're not to what that actually is. Um, A statement of work is basically a detailed description of whatever the project's going to be. So it's not your kind of standard terms and conditions, legal stuff. It's this is what the project is, described in detail. And it's not not like a proposal, because proposals tend to talk about, we could do this for you, and how about trying this, and maybe we could do this. A statement of work is, we will do this, and then we'll do this, and then we'll do this, and you need to do that. Mr. Clark, so it's kind of Delaware. it's kind of nailing things down as as much as possible. Exactly. Fair to say? Cool. Yeah. Um, so I've, I'm going to start here. This is very much part one because statements of work um, they can be fairly long documents, and I thought, well, I may as well try and cover pretty much everything you'd find in a web project. So this is part one. <laughs> so you're saying <laughs> this is going to be really long? No, this one won't be really long. I'm kind of I'm splitting it up, so a bit more next week, and maybe even a bit more the week after that. Ooh, exciting! <laughs> So, the first thing you're going to get... Yes, stop it now. The first thing you're going to get, or you should have, is is some background, some introduction. Now, I know that kind of sounds like, well, is that necessary? Well, it is, because often these contract documents can be different phases of the same project. So they need a bit of description to sort of say where they are within that, that... that sort of list of list of phases, if you like. So it's a kind of setting setting the setting the scene for the project, if you like. But then you're on to the 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 most important part, I, I guess, which is a summary of the tasks, or you could maybe call it objectives, um, where you're basically summarising each one of the tasks in the project. And this is a really good thing to do, just because it it kind of helps you get your head around everything that you're going to everything that the that, that the people working on the project are going to, are going to be doing. Yeah. Um so the first thing I guess um the likely thing that you're going to be doing would be have a kickoff meeting. Now from the client's perspective which is what we we're, we're supposed to be doing on the on the client corner is if if you receive one of these documents and it says kickoff meeting you what what you need to know is who who's going to be attending. Uh this should be re- also represented in the pricing. So if they're saying you're going to get the project manager, the designer and the developer turning up and it's going to cost you three people at a full day rate, then you've got to make sure that that's what you get. Um, yeah. Let's, <coughs> excuse me, dying again. Um, that's, the, that's the thing all, all the way through. Just make sure that you are getting the detail because kickoff meeting, I don't know, it could mean that just the project manager, but then you wonder, wonder why you were paying for three days, for example. And also, um, I guess you you want to ask there whether, you know, whether do I really need all three of you at that meeting? You know, what is the benefit of having all three of you at the meeting if I'm going to end up paying for three people instead of one? Exactly that, yes. Although I, I always think the kickoff meeting is a very, very important 
part of any project really oh yeah um, i actually think it probably is worth it but the, 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 i think you need to ask those questions and be what you know it, as a client you need mm-hmm. to challenge those kinds of things and just you know not be afraid to find out where your money's going basically. exactly yeah and i mean another thing is to you know are, are you going to receive any documentation any kind of summary of of what was agreed from mm-hmm. that meeting again this is the kind of detail that you should be getting into um, the next phase of uh, uh, of our imaginary web project here could, could possibly be information architecture de- development, which is pr- likely to happen before any design or template development, anything like that. <coughs> Excuse me. So uh, I, I guess this is where you're um, defining what, what that information architecture development is going to be. So you're going to have things like expert review. What, what are you going to get from that expert review? Is it going to be... Um, a summary document or is it going to be an initial information architecture diagram probably both I would have thought um, are you going to do stakeholder interviews and these are the big ones from a client who's going to be recruiting those stakeholders because yeah. it's very likely to be you and where's it going to be held because again it's usually the, with with us that we like to do these interviews at, on, on the client's premises um, because it's usually easier to recruit the, the uh, um, you know, the appropriate audience to do that there, but it's and it's, also people feel more rela- relaxed in a, an environment that they know exactly. They? Uh, card sorting is another one, and again, it comes down to recruitment. Where's it going to be done? What one? What what is the agency going to deliver to you? Um, you know, what with card sorting, I guess it it would be what's the, what's the level of, of um, an analysis that they're going to put in for you? Is it just going to be a sort of well? most people kind of pick that one with that one or they're actually going to put in some proper statistical analysis um Mm. and the final one on on information architecture would be um wireframe testing which kind of can that can be usability testing and information architecture Mm. um as a client i would question is this really necessary um because it's possible that it's going to be something that would get thrown away what we've been doing lately with this is we've been creating wireframes um, using the the CMS, so kind of like it's it's before any template work's been been done. But for clients that are buying our CMS, we've been using um, it in its very raw state as a as a wireframe, which works quite well. So it's a sort of um, an, a cost effective way of doing wireframe testing because it means you're not actually throwing stuff out exactly. at the end of it. You you so I mean, if you think about, um, it's probably worth explaining how our content management system works that. Um, when you first set up our kind of base content management system, there's very raw HTML files are being displayed, which yeah. displays the content, and you can even apply some styling to those to to get the rough, you know, layout that you might be using in the actual thing, and that's perfect for for wireframe testing. But then in, after the wireframe stage, instead of throwing the whole thing out and starting again, you've actually got a load of the content already entered into the content management system, and you can just start, you know, tweaking the HTML and, and adding more styling on top which obviously is, is very cost-effective. Mm. So that's what Marcus is getting at. Yeah, sorry, I'm obviously not making any sense at all. No, 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 you <laughs> did. But if people didn't know our content management yeah. system, they might not have got that. Or I might just be really being very patronising to our listeners and it was blindingly obvious. Okay. One or the other. The next thing in the list, dear sorry, listeners, Marcus. is um, design, design concepts. Almost certainly, uh, virtually all web projects are going to have um, <coughs> this as part, as part of the project. How many concepts um, is something, well, or what is a concept, I suppose, would be the first thing. Because we, we, we tend to 
describe a concept as a, a theme, if you like. Uh, we're, we're going to create theme A, and we might also create theme B, um, and we call those concepts. And as part of those um, different concepts, we also state what what pages we're going to mock up. So we'll do a home page. Um, usually we'll, we'll do a home page and we'll do a text page deeper in the site to show, um, show how the navigation is going to work. So per concept we do a home page and a text page so if we we're going to do two different concepts there would be you would be presented with four different designs if you like or two. You see where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's just important to know what you're going to get on that because I would imagine that some, well, we've, we've had clients that have expected us to create more than one concept when we've quite, in our, in our view, explicitly stated that you're getting one concept. Um, so it's certainly worth um, explaining exactly what you mean by that. Um, mm. And also it's worth going into what happens if I don't like the design. Um, and I, I, we've covered this, I think, quite recently in what we do. I, we take the attitude of, well, we'll keep doing it until, until we get it right within reason. Um, because design is, is such a difficult thing to put a fixed price on. But unfortunately, we have to, because no one's going to say, yeah, OK, you just take as long as you like. Um, so we've taken the attitude that some designs you get right really quickly, um, even though you've said it will take this fixed amount of time. And other, di other designs are going to take longer. And that's the way we've, we've kind of managed to keep a kind of um, an open, free and backwards and forwards kind of way of working with our clients. Um, because otherwise you end up saying, well, we'll do one set of changes and then we're on the clock. And that gets a little bit too much yeah. pressure from both ends, I think. Um, but yeah. it's, these, these are really important things as a client to know what, what, literally what's going to happen. Because it might, it might be the case that the initial concept you don't like. Um, and then it, if it gets bat batted back and they say, oh, well, that's all you're getting, mate, um, you're not going to be a very happy client. So, uh, again, find out what it is up front. Um, another minor point is how am I going to view these designs? I mean, I would highly, highly recommend that uh, uh, the client is deli delivering them to you online so you can see what they're going to look like on a screen rather than um, on bits of A3 paper, for example. Um, oh, yes. But that's not a statement of work, really, is it? Um, it's worth putting in that that's, that's how. I mean, it's not just designs. All updates will be delivered via a specific yeah. client area for you, if you like. And that is something that should go into a statement of work. Um, once, so once you've got your design done, it's all signed off. The next thing, uh, probably for most web projects, will be template development. Um, this is relating particularly to CMS development, uh, what, what I'm thinking here. So if you, if you like, you've got a content management system and you've got, um, you've got your information architecture that, that says what kind of content um, you're going to be trying to present across the site. So what templates do you need to build to present that content? Usually, obviously, a home page, text page, form page. What else? I don't know, FAQ, news, events, that kind of thing. Um, so you need to nail down exactly what templates you're going to build, how many they're going to be. Um, also, there's uh, different types of, of, of ways of presenting all that, that uh, content. For example, print style sheets. Will you be getting print style sheets as part of this price that you're paying? And, and other mm. things like visually, visually impaired uh, templates, something that we do uh, quite a bit of. Um, 
<coughs> excuse me, nearly there. Um, one thing that's worth uh, worth asking as a client is, am I going to get to sign off each one of these templates? Because you, even though you've signed off, say, a homepage and a text page design at concept stage, at design concept stage, each one of these templates will have little little bits of design, like how, to, how do the forms look, for example, that yeah. you as a client should have a, a, a tick off. Yep, that's okay. Sign that one off, move on to the next one. Um, it's just, it, all of these things are, they're just sort of things that you can fall back on in case, in case it doesn't work out, and also so that everyone knows what the process is going to be. Okay, well, there's plenty more to talk about, technology, project management, timescales, all that kind of thing, but I'm going to move on to that next week when hopefully I'm less dead. As I said at the start of the show, the Ask an Expert section today is going to be done by Ian Forrester from BBC Backstage. Ian is also the guy that arranges all of the geek dinners and indeed the majority of kind of social events within the web calendar in, in London anyway, or that's what it seems like. Um, but he's also got a lot of experience. He's always working there, there, isn't he? He's always there, yes. It's amazing. The guy has no life. Well, in fact, he's got more of a life than the rest of us, I guess, because he's out being sociable. Um, but uh, he's also got a lot of experience in multimedia as well. And so we thought we'd get him in on the show just to talk about um, the different ways of dealing with kind of um, multimedia elements, be they video or audio, um, because it can be very confusing about the different formats that are available, um, the different plugins, how they, they're downloaded, whether they stream or download or whatever else. So anyway, this is what Ian had to say when I asked him about the subject. So there's a couple of things you need to consider when putting multimedia content online. The first one is a delivery mechanism. The delivery mechanism that's most commonly used is download. Download works exactly the same way as your browser um, works right now. So the browser will go, grab the file, and download it to somewhere on your hard drive, usually in the cache, and then display the results to you once it's done. This works extremely well for high quality video and audio. And usually when the audience member doesn't mind waiting that extra amount of time, to to watch or listen to the content say for example boag world podcasts the second delivery mechanism is a little bit more tricky it's streaming now streaming usually requires a streaming server of some kind now usually this technology is not a very cheap technology but what it does in principle is it sends down little chunks of the video or audio file at a specified rate so that when the browser or the media player sees these little chunks coming down it gets enough chunks to view the picture but enough to to play the next one straight after one it's just played so literally it's like dripping uh, water down a straw if you can imagine that there is a third delivery mechanism it's called progressive download. Progressive download works by downloading the whole file, but the media player recognizes that it's got enough of the file to start playing it back, um, but by the time it gets to the end, it would have finished the file. This technology was um, came, came to light by um, Apple QuickTime. 
which leads us nicely on to the different flavors of video and audio that there is available to you. The first one, which I already mentioned, is uh, Apple QuickTime. Apple QuickTime is genuinely known as very, very high quality um, and can be used for streaming and downloads. Now, you usually see it mainly for downloads because the streaming server is uh, quite difficult to set up and not many people offer that as an option. The, the most common one you probably see is real player uh, real player is is usually stream only so you buy a, a real server which streams real content to your real player uh, player and this was one of the, the first streaming technologies out there so it has a huge base and uh, is commonly used uh, across uh, most media organizations such as the BBC the third one in the equation is is Windows Media Player now Windows um, came late to the party but also offer a streaming format and the download format now being subjective I would suggest that Windows Media Player is reasonably good quality and real player tends to be okayish quality. Creating these files is another issue altogether. If you want to create Windows Media files, then if you've got a Windows machine, then you've got pretty much everything you need. Um, Microsoft already supply uh, Movie Maker, which does Windows Media files. Um, they also produce. Um, Windows Media Encoder which also creates these files and can stream files at the same time. If you want to create um, streaming files for real there is a thing called Helix. Helix will produce files and there is a server which you can use if you install yourself. This is a pretty much the same deal with QuickTime there is a server which you have to install yourself or you can pay someone else a lot of money to do it for you um, and if you buy QuickTime Pro it will create QuickTime files for you the fourth option which has just come out recently is Flash Flash's um, ability for for multimedia content in the past was pretty poor um, now it's it's reasonable enough um, to to play back video and audio at the same kind of quality as Windows Media format. Now the the nice thing about Flash is that Flash is pretty much built into most browsers, so there's you don't have to worry about your audience member having to download QuickTime or download Real or having a Windows machine so you know that once you have a flash file with with video or audio in it they'll pretty much be able to see it now flash actually fits in that third category of delivery it's not actually really streaming and there's not actually really 
download. It's kind of a progressive downloads style thing like QuickTime. So the video will start playing once there's enough downloaded to to play the rest of the file. Another beautiful thing about Flash is that most of the video sharing sites support Flash. So for example, you could upload your video or audio file to places like Audio, like YouTube, like blip.tv, and they will automatically create a Flash file which you can embed onto your site and your work is done. So in summary, I would highly recommend just using something like YouTube or Audio just to get started to be able to put video and audio on your site very easily. Okay, so we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to combine the Agony Uncle section and we're going to combine the review section and we're going to look at the subject of how do I go about making a podcast. So probably that's one of the most common questions I get asked, either about the technology relating to a podcast or how to make it entertaining and engaging and that kind of thing. So that's kind of my agony uncle bit. And then there's a whole load of software involved in, in creating a podcast. So I'm going to review some of the different bits of software out there and talk about my experiences of recording these things and, uh, and producing podcasts. Um, so let's look, first of all, at really... Um, the kind of presentational side of a podcast of of what advice I would give to people that are considering recording something beyond the kind of technology and that kind of thing. Well, first up, I think you really need to have a good grasp and a good understanding of your audience, who they are, and more specifically, when and where they listen to your podcast. A bit of a strange thing, I know, but the majority of people listen to a podcast either when they're commuting to work or when they're in the gym or maybe while they're doing some work so they're not necessarily a sitting in front of a browser to be able to look at websites that you might be mentioning or b giving you your their full attention i suspect that the majority of people who are listening to this podcast right now are not listening to every word i say the re- <laughs> don't <laughs> yes um, yeah. i don't quite one here oh yes hello wake up listen to what i am saying so um it's very important that you take that into consideration when you're creating your podcast and understand that um people are listening to your podcast for pleasure even if you're talking about a relatively serious subject such as web design or whatever they're not they're probably not doing listening to it as part of their day-to-day work they're doing it as kind of extracurricular activities so to speak so it's very important that your podcast remains um, entertaining and engaging and that you do keep people's attention and you keep them focused on what you're saying so uh, one of the, the the important ways to do that is to be upbeat and positive as you talk and not to go too monotone and stuff like that um, like one I of the was ways earlier to- you mean <laughs> Like you were earlier, Mike. You were <laughs> ill, so we can forgive you. No, you that's, weren't too bad. That's why. Uh, that's why being entertaining, quote finger quotes in the air, is um, is so important. And I mean, we didn't go out to sort of let's try and be entertaining, but it just sort of that's what draws people in. It's it's, of course, people probably go to something like a web design pod- podcast to try and learn something, but 
you know, if you're going to continue to to do something on a weekly basis, people are actually going to be more interested in in the entertainment side of it, in the the fact that you've got characters that that people start to start to know and hopefully like. Um, that that's that's a really big deal here. It's the same same yeah. with the radio show. It's not it's not necessarily about the songs that the radio show plays. It is to a certain extent, but it's also about whether you like what the DJ has to say in between them. Yeah. Totally. So, and that's why I have to say that that doing it with somebody else is so beneficial and works so well. I mean, I'm always rude to Marcus, <laughs> but it, actually, it, I ha- I've previously recorded other podcasts by myself, and it is so much harder to do it by yourself than it is to do it with somebody else. So, having somebody to bounce off of really helps as well. Think about your format of your show as well. You know, is it going to be a long rambling show like ours or is it going to be um, shorter and more condensed? Um, that kind of is important as well, especially if you're doing it by yourself. You might find you're much better off doing something that's 10, 15 minutes long than you are doing something that's 40, 45 minutes long. Another piece of advice is be consistent when you release your show. Too many shows... Um, a kind of hit and miss when they come out and it doesn't kind of build any familiarity with the user that the user um, is never quite sure uh, when the next one's going to come and you know you don't feel any loyalty to the show because the, the show doesn't seem to show you any loyalty if that makes sense even you know even if you don't want to do it week in and week out like say Boag World is then what I'd recommend is, you know, try doing it fortnightly or once a month, you know, once a month. And if you don't want to commit yourself to doing it forever and ever, amen, then maybe consider doing seasons like television seasons. So you do 12 shows, then you have a break for a while and then you do another 12 or whatever. So um, there are all those kinds of things to consider. Another piece um, of advice I wanted to give you is, is really listen to your listeners and encourage them to provide you with feedback mm. and, and take on board what they say. But, and this is a big but, don't be discouraged. It's amazing how many dumbass people out there <laughs> that will write in and will criticize you for no apparent reason and, and just slam into you even though you're giving them something completely for free and you're not forcing them to listen to it. So you have to take the feedback you get with a pinch of salt, but you will also get a lot of positive feedback and try and focus on the positive stuff rather than the negative. Take on board comments that people say and where people are constructive in their criticism, take that on board as well. And the final piece of advice I would give to any potential podcasters out there is know why you're doing it. Why are you podcasting? What is it that's making you do it? Um, and be clear about that because that's going to be your motivation show after show after show. And it's got to be strong enough a motivation to keep you going come what may. You know, um, with us, if I'm honest with you, it, um, the reason that we do this show is it's a marketing tool for Headscape. Mm. And it does generate inc- uh, you know, revenue for our business. And it is one of the ways that we, we attract you know, customers to come and work with us. And that is a motivation that keeps us going and probably is the reason why out of all of the podcasts, web design podcasts out there, we're the longest running because we have a clear vision of why we're doing it and what we're trying to achieve. So I think that you got anything else to add to the kind of motivational side of things, Marcus? Not today. 
<laughs> no, you're motivation. a bit lacking in motivation. Motivation. <laughs> okay, let's move it on does then take, and look no, at... I'm Sorry, I did have one point. Uh, be disciplined. Oh. I think you kind of covered that to a certain extent with be consistent in your re- in your release. Don't. I, I, well, I suppose there's, there's two sides to this. If you're going to do, if if you're going to do kind of a one-off every now and then, that's fine. But if you're if you're doing if the reasons for doing a podcast are promotional in some kind of way then be disciplined and make sure you do it regularly otherwise people will wander off yeah and it it doesn't happen overnight i mean it takes a long time for a podcast to build mm. i've had a lot of people um that have come to me really excited about some scheme you know or what some podcast they're going to do they start off and then they go well why haven't i got thousands of people listening to me to me well, it takes time to build that that audience, you know, and you need to have a kind of long term vision for it. Also, the discipline does matter on, on on to be frank. Weeks like this, where you know Marcus is feeling a little bit ill, I'm I'm not feeling great myself. Um, I mean, this particular segment of the show, we've started what half a dozen times, Marcus, and the phones <laughs> rang and and different things have happened, and it, it's difficult sometimes, and it's hard to to do. The, the show so you've got to kind of show some kind of backbone basically to, to kind of keep persevering with it yep. but let's move on to the technical side of things because that's pretty interesting as well one of the questions i get asked all the time is um hardware you know what do you use microphone wise to to record the show well to start with we we both used headsets and we used headsets for a long time and um uh, we used Panatronic headsets, um, which were really good and they were brilliant quality, but they had two problems. One is you got a lot of pop. That's where um, you're very close to the microphone and you're going, pa, 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 pa. And mm. it really makes, you know, sounds terrible. So what we ended up having to do is lift the microphone up so it was kind of right in front of our eyes or down by our chin to stop that kind of popping happening where you were speaking directly into the microphone the other problem is that when you turned your head and you moved your head you would often pick up some of that sound Mm. so headsets are great for starting off they're cheap they're easy but i don't think they're really they're a long-term solution you know if you really want to start getting professional so what we both use now is um a, a proper microphone that plugs in via usb straight into the pc and stands on the desktop um, and it's a good, decent microphone. The particular one that, that we both use is Samsung uh, C01U that you might want to check out. Um, and the other thing that I, I recommend you get hold of is a little pop shield. They only cost about four or five pounds. Um, and you just clip them onto the mic and they sit in front of it to stop, you know, that pa-pa-pa sound I was talking about. So really, I think that's all the advice that, you know, we need to give from a kind of hardware point of view. Um, that's literally all we've got, isn't it, Mark? Because yeah. we don't have mixer desks or anything like that because we record over Skype. Yeah, I used to do all that. I used to bring mics and all that kind of stuff. But this, this, this uh, Samsung microphone seems to be really good. I'll just plug it straight in the computer. Away yeah. you go. Yeah, good mm. stuff. So then we come on to the question of recording audio. Well, obviously, nightmare. if it's just... You- yeah it's a bloody nightmare yeah if it's just you it's actually very straightforward um you can record it with any kind of number of programs out there um even the kind of built-in stuff into windows um will allow you to record audio but me and marcus record over skype and i get a lot of questions about how we record over skype um 
And over the time that we've been recording through Skype, we've tried a whole range of different products. Um, and I think the one we're using at the moment is the best of the bunch. But I will tell you a couple of others first. One that we've used in the past is something called Hot Recorder. Hot Recorder is very good, um, but it, it does kind of take over your computer to some extent. And it kind of forces... Um, all devices, whether it be iTunes or whether it be anything that plays sound, it kind of forces it through its own hot recorder drivers. And some programs, particularly iTunes, is not very compatible with that. So you get some problems there. The other thing with hot recorder is it doesn't allow you to play audio within the show. So, for example, in the Ask the Expert section, um, Marcus wouldn't be able to hear us play back that um, RC Expert stuff and it would have to be edited in, in post-production instead. And that's not very good if you want to kind of respond to, to what's being said and things like that. I am a great, so I am a great recorded... actor though, Paul. And I can go, wow, what a fantastic interview and things like that. Yes, <laughs> you you were very good. For, for, that, for years we'd... I had to do that. For years. Even with questions, you would listen to the questions before the show and then would kind of pretend we were listening to them live. You're giving away all but the secrets now. we don't do that now. anymore. I know. So there was that one. Then we tried something called Pretty May, a bizarre sounding thing. Again, this was pretty good. This allowed you to play back audio through the show. It had a much nicer interface than Hot Recorder. But I just found it a little bit unreliable. And there were several occasions where it just failed to record, um, which is very frustrating, or um, audio got out of sync and stuff like that. So so that wasn't, that wasn't great. We did have some problems with that one, and we dumped that one pretty quick. The one we use now is something called Pamela. Why they've all got these bizarre names, I don't know. But Pamela for Skype is pretty pretty good it does cost a small amount to buy but we're only talking about thirty dollars or something like that it allows you to play audio um live in the show it's got an easy to use interface as with all of the others it allows you to separate the channels so in other words um my voice is being recorded on one channel the left channel marcus's voice is being recorded on the right so it means that we can sort out levels and things like that afterwards also, Pamela allows you to either record as WAV file or as an MP3 file, which is really important as well. So if you're looking for a solution, at the moment, Pamela is my preferred solution. Now, I have to say, all of those that I've listed there are for the PC and not for the Mac. I can't claim to know anything about Macs, so I'm not going to kind of start recommending software, which I don't know about. So that's recording over Skype. The next area up then, I guess, is is editing and, and how we go about editing it. Well... We've tried it again. We tried a whole load of different programs, all of which have got their their um, pros and their cons. Um, one that I started off with was something called Propaganda. Um, and Propaganda is a is a good piece of software that, that is really simple to use. Um, you can record audio straight into it, or you can import audio. Um, you've got a nice kind of timeline, so you can drag and drop different things in different orders. It's got transition effects between different bits of audio, all that kind of stuff. It even produces an RSS feed. Um, you know, it's designed specifically for podcasters. But after a while, I found it a little bit frustrating. I got annoyed at how it managed um, the library of, of um audio that you brought in. You had to have one massive library. Yeah, that's annoying. Um, for, for for all your different shows, which was stupid, really. You want a kind of one little library for each mm. show rather than one universal library. Also, its RSS management wasn't very good, and I quickly dropped using that. 
Um, so again, it didn't really offer a lot of benefits over something that was free, like Audacity. I still use propaganda, though, every Audacity. week. Yep. Do you? You still put it together propaganda on propaganda? Ah, interesting. Yeah. So Audacity is a, an open source version, um, which again provides great audio editing, which propaganda isn't so good at. I bet you don't edit in propaganda, no do you? Yeah. So mm. there we go. So Audacity is much better for, for, for editing. We'll come on to SoundForge in a moment. Not as good for perhaps combining multiple files into a, you know, into a kind of overall show, but still pretty good, and it's free, which is a good one. So you use SoundForge, Marcus, for, for editing. Of, and how do you get on with that? Really good. good. Excellent. Yeah, um, I've been using SoundForge, Soundforge for years for um, uh, all sorts of things. I've been for mixing songs and things like that. Often you might want to remove a whole chorus or something out of a song, and you can do things like that in it really well. So doing just audio files on it, it's great. That's where I do all the... <coughs> Excuse me. If say if, if you or I it isn't loud enough, then that's where I adjust levels and cut bits out and that kind of thing. Sure, it's great. Simple to yeah. use. Yeah. So Audacity would do similar things to that as well. Soundforge is a paid-for product, but Audacity will do um, you know setting levels and um, it'll do removing clicks and pops and that kind of stuff. Although I don't think it probably does it quite as well as Soundforge. Another option is um, Adobe Audition, which again is I think quite a high-end product that does all the kind of stuff that Soundforge does. But what it also does is it allows you um, to have a mixer where you can put multiple um, you know, audio files together in a timeline kind of thing and does a lot of the job that propaganda right. does. So there you go. There's a load of different software for editing. Um, it's personal preference to some degree, but the things you're looking for is something that can put together multiple audio files so you can record your podcast in segments in preference to in one big go. Um, something that removes things like pops and clicks and can normalize, you know, and adjust levels and that kind of thing. So the final aspect of creating a podcast is once you've got your audio file, you've uploaded it to your server. By the way, one recommendation on that is that you'll need a server um, if your podcast becomes popular with unlimited bandwidth. I highly recommend Libsyn, um, L-I-B-S-Y-N. Um, they're a superb hosting company, specially dedicated to hosting podcasts, so, so check them out. Very cheap as well, which is the other good thing. So once you've got your audio file on Libsyn or wherever else, the next thing is sorting out your RSS feed. Now, Libsyn will do that for you. Personally, I like a little bit more control over things, so I use something called Feed for All. And Feed for All is a little bit of software that allows you to quickly and easily create um, uh, RSS feeds and also has all the extras for things like iTunes and stuff like that. Um, and then I don't uh, give out my Feed for All RSS feed, so I don't um, particularly you know, let people um, access that one. I don't register that one with iTunes. Instead, I route it through a service called FeedBurner. If you haven't come across FeedBurner, I highly recommend you check it out, even if you're using RSS feeds for non-podcast purposes. FeedBurner is a superb service that allows you to um, see subscription levels on your RSS feed and give you an idea of how popular it is and that kind of stuff. So really, that is a very quick whistle-stop tour of the whole podcasting um uh, area now if you didn't get all of those different bits of software i'm going to create a massive list of them in the show notes including um, links to all of the relevant sites Bye. 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 Bye.
So that about wraps it up for this show, really. I think I think that's everything done and dusted, as they say. Marcus. God for that. <sighs> I know. I bet you're re- relieved. Marcus, <laughs> mine, you have one final task, should you choose to accept it. People got okay. annoyed at me because you didn't do a joke. So you've okay. got to do a joke. Quick one. Here we go. Uh, thanks, Ian. Like this one. Made me Google. Uh, a woman standing nude looks in her bedroom mirror and says to her husband, I feel horrible. I look fat and ugly. Please pay me a compliment. Her husband replies, your eyesight's damn near perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> so I, I wanted to share with, well, I didn't want to share it with you this because you won't appreciate it, but I wanted to share it with the, the podcast listeners. So we've started this new bit on the forum, right? Um, which is just general kind of nothing to do with web design, just kind of chatting. Following, I haven't the, used the, it. I haven't used the this the the forum. Have you not any, checked it out? No, no. I'm saying sorry. I can't string a sentence together. I've been using this area of the forum quite a lot in oh, my oh. terms. Yeah, it's finally oh, something I'm interested in. Yes, because it's not about web design. <laughs> it doesn't reflect well on you, really, Marcus. Um, that's your yeah, job. But never mind. So one of the one of the threads on this new section of the forum um, is geek jokes. Well, basically, it's it starts with the line, "You know, you're a geek when dot dot dot," and people have been filling in the gap. And there's some really funny ones. Um, you one of them is, "You know, you're a geek when you consider home to be one two seven dot zero dot zero dot one." That's very funny. You know you're a geek when you try to control Z something you say. Now, I've actually done that. God, no, oh, no, I should have said that. Control Z. I have. Or I when I drop you. something. I know. When I drop something or I break something, I, I, it goes through my head. Control Z. That's really sad. You know you're a geek when you see the blue screen. This is my favorite. <laughs> this one really makes me laugh. You know that you're a geek when you see the blue screen. It's Blair. You know you're a geek when you see the blue screen of death just before you see the pearly gates. <laughs> I really won't see that. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, I just thought I'd share those with people who probably aren't as geeky as me. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, send your um, <clears throat> comments. Uh, yes, let's be professional. Guys. Send your comments, suggestions uh, for the show to Paul at Bioguild.com. Thank you so much for bearing with us this week. Um, I know that Marcus was appallingly embarrassing, um, but I'm sure you'll forgive him. And we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>